Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. Right now, we are going to be looking at our last of three in the series of Never Take Things for Granted. And so this morning, we're going to be talking about never taking your part in church for granted again. Yes, never taking your part in church for granted again. You see, for every person that God calls to be his follower, he has given a part. He has given a part specifically for that person, an item to use in his great plan. And what is God's great plan, church? What is God's plan for the church? And by that, meaning you. His plan is the redemption of this world through his son, Jesus Christ, and through the church. And it has never, folks, been more important for those who have been called by God's name to carry out this redemption plan. Your families depend on it. Our culture depends on it. Our world depends on it. So if God has called you, then God has equipped you to build his church. When I say his church, I don't mean just Holland Park Baptist Church. I mean his church as a whole. So let's never take for granted that opportunity again. Now, we have to be careful when we do take for granted our part in God's plan. And sometimes we miss opportunities. And I want to tell you about a missed opportunity that some of you may recognize. There was a man, uh, you may have heard his name. His name is Walt Disney. Have you heard of him? Okay, yeah, we've all heard of Walt Disney. I, I put Mickey and uh, I think it's Olaf up on the screen for the kids so they could they could say, Hey, there's Olaf and there's Mickey. Yeah, all right. Woo! What do you think, Connor? Do you know those people? Nope. <laughs> I know he does. But anyway, the, the point is, is that when Walt Disney was planning Disneyland, now this is out in California, he offered a friend of his the opportunity to buy some scrub land that was surrounding where he was going to build and develop because he knew he was trying to hook a friend up. He said, you know, the, the value of this land will increase. And so the friend said he'd think about it, but he took too long. And so Disney just went ahead and he sold it because he needed a quick answer. And the thing is, folks, if you and I fail to seize the opportunities that God presents to us, it doesn't mean God's finished with us, but it does mean that he may move on. He may use somebody else, but it probably means that he will turn someone else who will jump at the opportunity. So what we see here is that God always is placing opportunities in the hands of his children. You see, God is placing opportunities within our grasp. And the hard truth is, is that we have permitted opportunities to slip away while we take them for granted, from weariness to laziness, or the simple fact of making other things important. You see, the words that we're not going to want to say at the end of our life and when we are judged is, well, I should have done, or I was meaning to. Those are not excuses you want to use 
at the great white throne judgment. And just to, to give you an idea of what that is like, if you brought your Bibles, you can turn to Revelation 20, verses 11 and 12. If not, the, it's on the screen in front of you. You can read along. But this is the book of Revelation, and it says, this is the final judgment. And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Now, this is not the first someone is going to heaven or hell. This is the final judgment. To where we will be judged on what we did or did not do for the Lord. May God remind us and motivate us this very day to never take our part of his redemption plan for granted. And that we should carry that out. Well, let's jump into the scripture. Um, We see here, I kind of ran across this scripture through our Wednesday night Bible study on Facebook Live last week, and I mentioned it, and so just kind of God brought it back here. And the first thing that we see, if we're not going to take our part for granted in what God has to do with the church, it means that the believers were never meant to be alone. Believers were never meant to be alone. You see, I've talked with a lot of people that have told me during these days of social distancing that they have enjoyed putting puzzles together. I was talking with somebody last week that they were talking about how her and her daughter were putting puzzles together. And uh, some do this by themselves. Some of you work in teams. How many of y'all have a puzzle in your house on a table somewhere and you just work on it when you when you feel like it? Anybody? I know my parents used to do that. And the thing is, is that if anyone thinks they have no part of the greater picture of God's redemption plan through the church, then they might as well take one piece of the puzzle out of the box and frame it and say that is the best piece in the whole puzzle. And you can look at that piece the whole time. You can cherish it. You can frame it. You can put wall art around it. But you will never see the full puzzle because you're too busy looking at the one piece. My friend, if all you do is worry about your life and look out for number one and how everything affects you, you will never see the whole puzzle piece or the whole puzzle picture of what God wants to do, not only in your life, but through your life, folks, in the church. He says in verse 12, he says, the human body has many parts, but many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews and are Gentiles. Some are slaves and some are free. But we have all been baptized into the body of by one spirit. And we will all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts. Not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if an ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? He says in verse 17, the whole body, if it were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? It's like the old adage, why did God give us two ears and one mouth? You've heard that one, right? So that we would listen more than we talk. But uh, did you know, now some of you probably know this because you're real smart, But did you know that when we are born, there are 270 bones in our body? 270 bones. 
That's crazy. And as we mature, these bones begin to fuse together and we go from 270 bones to 206 bones. We're not losing bones. They're just growing in to make other bones, I guess. And so there are 27 bones just in your hand. There are 27 bones. All of these bones work together to provide the framework to which our body has structure, to which our organs are protected, to which our nervous system is attached and our muscles and so forth. But if we lose as much as a pinky toe, it could affect our balance. Now, Paul was right on track here, whether you're watching on Facebook Live or whether you're in here right now. Everybody plays a part in God's church. And so when somebody says, I'm not feeling it today, or I know that God wants me to do something, I just don't think I can do that. When we start using those kind of phrases, we are chopping off part of the body of Christ that he has brought to work here, either at our church or in the church as a whole. Each Part, big or small, has a specific role and purpose. Each part works together to help us function. So the next time you want to see an illustration of what it looks like when God's people called to Him, called by Him, serve, just look in the mirror. Look at your hand and think of all of those bones that are you just so you can make a grip. So what does or where does the breakdown of responsibility start. There's two places. Why are more people not jumping into their role in building the church? Why are they taking it for granted? Well, some will become proud of their abilities and they will cease to be useful because they are so proud and they get so much glory and recognition for it. You see, the Bible is clear. God hates, yes, God hates prideful people. Even James chapter 4 verse 5 says, and he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. My friend, if you are prideful, God opposes you. Now, I don't know what kind of enemies you have, but God is not one of them I want opposing me. A Christian that is filled with pride becomes ineffective in building the church because they lose their need for God altogether because they have got all that they need in themselves. That is not good. And then some will become so misguided that they will say that they have nothing to give to a body of believers. Folks, let me tell you something. To say that God hasn't given you a gift to use in the church is to say that God messed up. To say that God couldn't use me to do something is saying that God didn't know what he was doing. And that is a very prideful statement to make. And he will oppose you because the only way to say God hasn't gifted you in something is to consider yourself more powerful than God himself. You can't tell God what God can't do if you're not as powerful, if not more powerful than he is. And I've already looked. There's only one God, and you and I are not Him. But you, who are you and I to say what God can and can't do? I've heard people say before, Oh, preacher, I do that, but I just just can't do that. I'm too this. I'm not enough this. No, I've never done that, or I used to do that, and I'm just kind of tired of that. I mean, I've heard all the excuses, and God has heard them too. Don't worry. 
But the thing is, is that I think of Moses. How many times did Moses, when God called him to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery, how many times did he say, no, God, you got to get somebody else? And I'll never forget this passage in Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 and 12, where God takes Moses to school for a minute. If you've ever said, God, you can't use me to do something or I can't do that, listen to what God says to Moses. He says in Exodus 4, verses 10 through 12, But Moses pleaded with the Lord, Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words, and I have never have been. And I'm not even now, even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. And then the Lord asked Moses, <laughs> he says, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Who decides who hears who do, does not hear? Who decides who sees and who does not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will be with you. As you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. Let me break down that verse for you. Number one, if God has saved you, then he has called you. It's not a one or the other. If you consider yourself a saved Christian, he has called you to serve in his church. Now, some of you, it might be in a a front, front, everybody look way, and some of you might be the pinky toe. And just might be somebody behind the scenes. But God has called you. And if he has called you, according to this, he has equipped you. And if he has equipped you, he has given you an opportunity to serve. And if you serve, he says here, he is with you. So to take for granted God calling you to do something is just pure laziness and disobedience. You can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig. And we don't like to say that, God, I'm going to be disobedient and not do what you tell me to do. But that's what that is. That is disobedience. So from the moment of our creation, we were made to need one another. From the moment of our creation, we were made to need one another. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Folks, even in the garden, he he saw that it was not good for us to be alone, that we need one another. We need to fight the desire to only look out for number one. We don't need to let the past wounds in our lives that are already covered by God's forgiveness keep us from serving him. Because a selfish outlook will only leave you and I lonely and burn out in the end. Folks, we must, we must show concern for others. Look back in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. It says, some of us are Jews and Gentiles, some are slaves and some are free, but all have been baptized into one body, one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Folks, there was there was racism and there, there was hatred between Jews and non-Jews and so many other. It was alive and well in those days. And folks, there is no room for racism in the Bible. I have no words for the state that we are in today in our nation. My heart breaks when I watch the news and I read about the news. The hard truth is evil and hatred and murder and jealousy and rage and injustice have been a part of this world since the very fall of man 
in the Garden of Eden. And this will continue to occur while Jesus returns to establish his new heaven and his new earth. And folks, I'll be honest with you. I wish I had an answer today to resolve the tension that is in our world today. While many can hide behind their keyboards and their phones to deliver their opinions of what is right and what is wrong, people are looking at the church. I wonder what God thinks of this. And as I think about the tragedies that have happened recently to Ahmaud Arbery and now George Floyd, my heart breaks. And I truly believe that God weeps along with us. Not because he can't do anything about it, but he knows he has a plan through it. He is in control. And he knows that we must experience the weight and the consequences of sin so it will drive us to him. So that we will appreciate his redemption and his grace and his mercy. You see, I have no words of comfort for those who have lost loved ones in tragic ways. I would never, ever say to someone of another race, I know how you feel. Because I don't. And if you are white, you do not really know how black people feel in this moment in our country. You can empathize. You can pray for. And you can show compassion. But we don't know. The fact is the African-American community is hurting and upset, and understandably so. Law enforcement officers that do their job every day and put on the badge, they do their job every day, they are being ridiculed, and they are getting the blowback out of a couple of people that are bad eggs, that have given the badge a tarnish. But you know what? I can say that what happened was not right. And I know that God loves them as much as those who perpetrated those lawful acts of violence. It's not a judgment on one race or one profession, but on sin itself. And I have no defense or fix or a message of help other than this. This is why God established the church. We might not understand what our brothers and sisters of another race may feel. We may not understand, but in a church, we are lucky that that we have folks of other nationalities that come to our church. We are surrounded by a community that is full of that. And there are other churches that are meeting right now that might be black churches or Latino churches. We are all part of the greater church. And it's time for us, whether we're behind our phones on Facebook or whether we're in this church, in these walls, we need to take it out there. We need to quit being silent and say, we understand this is wrong. And... We pray and we will do what we can. You see, to be Jesus to others that cannot see him. That is what we need to do as a church. Let me me rephrase that. That is what you need to do as a church. And that is what I need to do as a church. Is to be Jesus to those who can't see him. Don't get on your high horse and start giving your political beliefs. Jesus doesn't care about that. And to be honest with you, those that are hurting don't care either. To weep with those who are hurting, that is what we must do. 
to support those who are not like us. That is what we are supposed to do. And to speak out about injustice instead of just saying silent. i got news for you. If you share a post on Facebook, it will do nothing for the cause that you're against. It will not do one thing for the cause you support. If you retweet something, or if you get on your phone and you talk to your circle of friends about it, it's not going to change a thing. We have to seek God. We have to get real with God. We have to soften our hearts. And we have to pray and ask Him to show us as individuals and as a church how we can play our part in His redemptive plan. To reach out to those regardless of who they are, regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of the way they wear their clothes or how much money they have to their name. Again, Paul's word said, we are all the body of Christ. Also, we see an effective church is a unified church in verses 18 through 26. It says, but our bodies have many parts and God has each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable, are those that we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require any special care. So God put the body together such that extra honor and care is to be given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes, check this out, verse 25, this makes for harmony among Members, you show me a church that fights and I'll show you a church that's in direct violation of this passage. It doesn't mean everybody thinks the same. and It doesn't mean that everybody necessarily agrees. But when unity is broken and there is no effort to bring it back, people have forgotten that they are together as the body of Christ. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. As I said, our brothers and sisters that are of different races, that speak different languages, they are suffering and hurting right now. Do you care? Do I care? We better. Because we are the church. I imagine right now the sermon looks a lot different in an African American church today. I believe that today the sermon will sound a lot different in a Latino church. I imagine the devotion that a chaplain for a police department that would share with the oncoming shift this morning would look a lot different. But folks, no matter what the situation is, we all who are believers are part of Christ's church. And we should not take that for granted. Because the world will know we are Christians by our unity and our love. The world will know we are Christians by our unity and And our love. God continues to bring people through the doors of our church. God continues to raise members to lead and encourage all of us. I have seen seven-year prayers answered in the last year. And we're still praying. 
And we're still hoping and we're still depending. Yes, our community has changed. I have heard a million and one times what this church used to be in the day. We got to stop living in the museum, folks. We got to be about the business that God has called us to be. I got news for you. Our community has changed. So either we're going to change with the community or we're going to shut our doors. Simple as that. The third thing we see is you don't go to church. You are the church. So play the part. Many of you came to church today. And I know I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. Trust me, my toes are being stepped on just as much as yours are. But folks, we don't go to church on Sundays. We are the church 24-7. It says in verses 27 through 31, All of you together are Christ's body. Each of you is a part of it. And here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, the gift of healing, those who can help others, the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. All we are apostles, all we are prophets, are all we teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we have the gift of healing? Do we have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we have all the ability to interpret unknown languages? He says, of course not. So you should earnestly desire that which is most helpful. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. You may have never heard of a Scottish philosopher named Thomas Reed, but he made a a quote that you, I'm sure, have heard in some form or fashion. He said, a chain is no stronger than its weakest link. And I will change that to a church is no stronger than its weakest member. God has called you to serve in a church. As we wrap up, many of you have heard me speak about how much I have missed having a truck. Well, I prayed to God many times. I said, God, if you want me to have a truck, then it's going to have to fall on my lap. And I don't mean have a wreck. Well, a few weeks ago, the prayer was answered. God sent a 1995 Dodge Dakota pickup my my way. It runs good for a 25-year-old truck. Some of you run good for being older, too, by the way. That wasn't in my notes. I need to stick to my notes. However, it's going to need a lot of work to become a daily driver again. And the thing is, I'm excited about the thought of working on it. Because it's a project for me. I haven't worked on a vehicle since I was a teenager working on my 1980 Chevrolet Monza. Yeah. I like to call it a mini Camaro. My friends called it an overgrown Chevette. Uh, some of you have no idea what those cars are. But some things require professionals that I'm not going to be able to do. But just the fact of doing that. Like the truck, the church is a beautiful gift that God has given us. It gives us a place of worship. It gives us a place to grow. It gives us a place for community. It gives us a place to serve. But too many go to church to be fed and not to serve. If all we do is eat and go to the buffet and never exercise and never serve, we're going to get spiritually fat. Right? Sure, I could go out and get a different truck. 
that doesn't need work, that costs more money. But then I wouldn't have the enjoyment of using the tools that I inherited from my dad after he passed on. And literally feel like he is with me while I'm working on it. When that truck hits the road, I'm going to know that by God's grace and by the efforts that God has given me <laughs> and a little bit of luck, I'm going, to have, I'm going to be so proud of that thing. And I'm not saying this to say, look at me. But what I'm saying is, is that there are churches all across America today and maybe even some that are on Facebook Live. I want you to understand I am so glad that people are attending church today. But statistics have already said the number of people that view church on social media now has dropped in the last four weeks. The churches are not being packed. Yes, we're going to get over the initial social distancing and be glad that we see everyone, but are we going to go back to the same old, same old? Too many people have gone and said, look, this church doesn't meet my needs. I'm going to go somewhere else where I can get met. Instead of saying, look, that church has a place to serve and I'm going to let God use me to make it what he wants it to be. I have seen this church do amazing thing, things in almost eight years. And it did amazing things before I was even on the radar. I'm just glad to be a part of it. And I'm glad that those of you who are here are joining with us. Never take your place for granted again. Never take your part in church For granted again. It's time for us as Christians to crawl away from our keyboards and our smart devices and water coolers. And it's time for us to change our world. It's time for us to play our part. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for our message today. For those that are here, those that may be watching by Facebook Live or a rebroadcast of that. Dear Heavenly Father, we live in crazy days. And there has never been a bigger need for the church, the members of the church, to do their part. Politicians are not going to turn this around. Special interest groups are not going to turn this around. If this is going to get turned around, it will be the work of your son, Jesus Christ, through the church. May this message make all of us uncomfortable. May it solidify what we're doing right and show us areas where we need to grow. And the next time we're tempted to give our opinion on what should be fixed in the world, May our opinion change to God. How can you use me through the church to change this world? Our children depend on it. Our families depend on it. Our community depends on it. And our church depends on it. Thank you for our time today. And may we never take for granted our part in your church again. And if there's someone here that has thought of something that, or the Spirit has brought something to their heart that they want to be forgiven of or they want to commit to or they just want to talk about what God is doing in their lives, may they please contact me either through the Internet or just phone calls or or just hang out afterwards. And I'll be glad to speak with them, Lord. 
Because if someone's life needs to change, may it start today. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.